Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, so good to have all of you at Old Lock Church's Bluntstown, Chipley, and Mariana today as we're finishing up our sermon series entitled More Than Meets the Eye. Now, before we jump into today's talk, we're going to do something just a little bit different than what you normally experience in church. So the guest services team at all of our churches, they're going to start passing buckets down the rows right now as I'm speaking. So yes, all of our campuses, go ahead and start moving and start passing buckets down the rows. Now, here's what's going to happen. As they pass this bucket down the row, take out an envelope. Do not look inside that envelope until I tell you. Everybody take out one envelope, one envelope. Don't look inside of it. If anybody looks inside of theirs, raise your hand and point them out, okay? Now, just now, th- this may be the only time that you're going to be in church and feel like that God's not going to strike you down for taking something out of the bucket, right? Yeah, that's what it is. All right, so everybody's getting these passed down. Now, I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. You just hold on to that envelope. Hold on to it like your life depends on it, but do not look at it, Okay. So while they're passing them out, if you weren't here last week, uh, last week we took our, up our $4 for other offering, um, and that's kind of what we do every fourth Sunday of the month. And so each month together we all give, and then we give all of that away to bless organizations and people in our community. But last week we didn't just ask you for $4 for others. We asked everybody to give as big as they could, and today I want to share with you what you gave to. But first, I know that you would love to know how much you gave, right? All of our campuses, you want to know what you gave first, right? So here are the results of your $4 for others total giving. Last week, this is what you gave. Blunstown, you gave $11,500. Chipley gave $2,678. And Mariana, you gave $19,386, right? Yeah. You celebrate that. Now, let me just say something. Because of those of you at our churches who are priority percentage givers, meaning that you have this weekly, monthly, quarterly, or annual plan, we were able to add to this total. So we added the difference between $33,639.44 and $40,000, which means we added a total of $6,300 out of our reserves that we have. So we're going to give away a grand total of $40,000. Yes, that's right. Now, um, before before I tell you what we're going to give this to and tell you how we're going to bless our communities, For those of you that are priority percentage givers, I can't tell you thank you enough for allowing us to do the things we do. Last week, we sent Convoy of Hope money for Mississippi. This week, we're sending Convoy of Hope money for what happened in Arkansas, and now it's what happened up in Delaware. Listen. Last year, you gave Convoy of Hope over $60,000 just because of those of you who are priority percentage givers. I mean, it's incredible. I think it was closer to $70,000 when it was all said and done. But we're able to respond immediately to crisis because of those of you who just consistently are generous on a weekly, monthly, or quarterly basis. So thank you so much. Now, here's the big question. How are we going to use this $40,000 to bless our communities? Well, Let me start by having all of you pull out what's inside 
of your envelope. On the count of three, one, two, three. Everybody pull out what's inside of your envelope. There should be $40 in there, right? We do everything by fours around here, right? So um, actually today what we're doing is a reverse offering. And here's why. One of the primary areas that we hear people struggling right now um, in their finances is when it comes to their grocery budget. We all feel it, don't we, right? So this week, we're giving you back $40,000 to help buy groceries and provide food for the people in all of our communities. So you're going to go buy groceries or help someone buy their groceries this week. So here's how you participate in doing this, right? Here's how you're going to do this. I want you to spend some time praying and ask God to lead you to the right person. And then I want you to go to the grocery store this week. And and for some of you, there's two, three, four, five of you in a family, right? I want you to go to the grocery store this week. And I want you to give $40 to a person that God is asking you to bless as they're buying or checking out their groceries. You can just walk up to them and simply say something like this. Hey, my church challenged me to make somebody's day this week. So here is a $40 gift for you to help you with your groceries. Enjoy. And oh, by the way, if you'd like to join me at Easter, I'd love to have you there as well for our service, right? I mean, you think about what you just did. It's pretty incredible. This week, our church will buy $40,000 worth of food for the people in our communities. You need to celebrate that at all of our campuses. That is absolutely amazing when you think about that, right? You guys are amazing. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> Damn. I mean, you just think about what you're doing. $40,000 worth of food to bless our communities. I just wish I could be standing in some of the grocery stores. For some of you who have families of three or four, when you're standing and all of you are trying to go find somebody to give $40 to, to go, hey, we just want to, can you just think about, I mean, the stories of life change that are going to come out of this. So I cannot wait to celebrate these stories of life change with you as a church because you guys are absolutely amazing. And um, I just want to say one other thing. If you're sitting here today at any of our churches and you need this $40 to buy some groceries, you just take it and buy you some groceries because we're for you. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you feel any guilt? Don't you feel any shame? You use it for yourself if you need it. Because that's what it's about. We're the body of Christ. We not only take care of our families, our community, but we take care of each other as the body of Christ. So can we celebrate Jesus one more time and his goodness to us? Yeah, absolutely amazing. Man, it's incredible. Okay. Now, let's switch gears and get into the talk. How about that, right? So go ahead and pull out your RCC app, and um, you'll find some talk notes there on the very top. You might have to hit the refresh button to get the day's talk notes up. And let's begin the last part of a five-week conversation entitled, There's More Than Meets the Eye. And in this series, we have been learning that there is more than meets the eye because there is an invisible spiritual world that impacts our visible world. 
There's an invisible world that doesn't just simply impact us physically. There's an invisible world that distorts the truth, that twists the truth to create lies, that when we believe them, it puts, puts us in great danger, causes a lot of destruction in our life. There's an invisible spiritual world that impacts everything that we do. And in his letter to the church at Ephesus, the Apostle Paul, he wrote about how important it is for us to be aware of this invisible spiritual world and how it impacts our visible world. In fact, here's how he describes this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying to us as followers of Christ, he's saying the most important thing that you need to remember is that your biggest battle in life is going to be against the devil's schemes. So what are the devil's schemes? Well, what we've said throughout this series is the devil's schemes are to take what is true and just distort it just enough to lead us astray. So today, we want to talk about another one of the devil's schemes that causes many of us to self-destruct, to cause damage to ourselves, to other people, without us even being aware of it. So what is this scheme? What is this deception? Well, in Scripture, it's called the pleasure of sin. Now, most church people push back when they hear this term, the pleasure of sin, because they don't want anybody to think that there is pleasure or benefit from sin. In fact, a lot of church people, when we talk about the pleasure of sin, they try to act like sin is not pleasurable. But the biblical narrative tells a completely different story, and your personal experience tells a different story. In fact, if you're honest with yourself, that's why you have a sin or you have sins in your life, even if you're a follower of Jesus, sins that create enough pleasure that you confess them over and over, sometimes multiple times a day, sometimes multiple times a week, but you never give up that sin. It's why you continue to struggle with that sin. It's why that sin still tempts you and you fall into its trap even today. See, at a surface level, sin is pleasurable. Don't miss that. At a surface level, sin is pleasurable. If it was not pleasurable, you and everybody else would never be tempted by sin or never struggle with sin. But the deception of the pleasure of sin is this. The pleasure of sin is for a season. Remember he said the surface level. The pleasure of sin is for a season, but the addiction or the consequences are often permanent. So Satan's scheme is to lure us in with the promise of pleasure while hiding the long-term pain and consequences. So here is what Satan tries to do. Satan's scheme is to deceive us and distort our perception of reality. So we only see the pleasure of sin, but not the pathway of sin. See, whenever we're deceived by the pleasure of sin, we don't see that sin creates a pathway, and a pathway that always crashes into a dead end. See, and when you hit that dead end, the pleasure's gone, and all you're left with is the consequence of sin, and the consequence and the fallout of sin, don't miss this, the consequence and the fallout of sin is always greater than the pleasure of sin, and the consequence is always later, and it's always greater. And some of you are saying, 
But doesn't God want us to have enjoyment in our life? Yes, God wants you to have enjoyment in life. In fact, the truth is that God created you to experience pleasure and enjoyment. Now, if you're kind of new to this whole idea of following Jesus, I mean, this whole statement here may come across as a little bit of a surprise to you. I mean, if you've been in church your whole life, you may never have heard that God created you to experience pleasure and enjoyment. And you may not even be okay or agree with that, but just stay with me, and I think you will agree that God created you with the capacity to experience pleasure and enjoyment. In fact, let me give you one example from last week's sermon. If you weren't here last week, you should go back and listen to that sermon that Matt shared with us last week. See, God created you with the capacity to experience and enjoy, as Matt told us, sexual pleasure. God created sex so that in marriage, when a man and a woman come together and are physically intimate, and remember it's in a marriage, there's the capacity not just for the promise that Mac talked about and procreation, but there is also the, the possibility of pleasure. Now, I said this before. If you've been around RCC very long, I have three children, not because I like children. I just really like my wife. <laughs> just being honest, I mean, right? So God created us for the capacity for pleasure, not just sexually, but in so many other areas as well. So God is not against pleasure. The problem is, just like we said in the past few weeks, okay, those of you who are putting emails together, don't even, do, don't even go there. So just stay with me. God, God is not against pleasure. The problem is, as we talked about over these past weeks, everything that God has that is good, righteous, holy, pure, Satan has a counterfeit for it. And so what Satan does, and he does this to destroy us, is this, is Satan twists our capacity to experience pleasure into an appetite for pleasure. See, when our capacity to experience pleasure moves from a desire, a God-given desire that stays within the boundaries or the guardrails, as Matt talked about last week, when it moves from that to an appetite, that is when pleasure becomes destructive. See, an appetite for pleasure means we want to experience pleasure now, not later. We want, to experience, we want to experience pleasure all the time, not just at the appropriate time and within the appropriate bounds. An appetite for pleasure, it causes us to seek more and more things and more and more ways to experience pleasure. So God wants us to experience pleasure in the right way at appropriate times. But then what happens is Satan comes along and he deceives us. And he deceptively says, hey, you deserve some enjoyment in your life. You deserve some pleasure in your life. And oh, by the way, here's a shortcut to pleasure. You can experience pleasure now. You can experience immediately. Just take this shortcut. And in that moment, if you're not on guard, all you're going to see is the shortcut 
that just has at the surface level a the pleasure of sin, you're not going to see the pathway that sin creates. See, that's how Satan deceives us, and that's how Satan distorts our perception of reality in this area. In fact, the pleasure of sin is really, if you stop and think about it, the pleasure of sin is really the law of diminishing returns. For example, it used to take you a half a glass to get the edge off in the evening. And then it was a whole glass. And then it was two glasses. And then it was three glasses. And then it was four. And now you black out and you don't even remember how many you drank the night before. See, what was a pastime, the pleasure of sin becomes a pathway. It becomes a habit. It becomes an addiction, which becomes a prison. And that sin becomes your master. Now, when you open the New Testament, it's so interesting. The authors of the New Testament, they talk a lot about sin as a pathway. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he was one of those authors who wrote about this issue when he wrote to some Christians in Rome. So if you want to take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter 6, that's where we're going to be at this morning. In fact, I want you to notice what he says in Romans chapter 6. And here's what he says. Notice these words beginning in verse 16. He says, don't you know? And what he's saying is, this is something you most likely know. But he's saying it's not something we think about enough. It's why we get deceived by the pleasure of sin. So the Apostle Paul is reminding us, here's what we know or here's what we need to know, not just for the sake of information, but for application's sake. Here's what he writes. He says, don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone or something as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one that you obey? Now, to understand this, don't overthink what he's saying. The Apostle Paul says, listen, when you offer yourselves, literally, if you keep making pleasure a priority, if you continue to say yes to pleasure over and over and over, he says, don't you realize that you're becoming a slave to that pleasure? To which you go, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not enslaved to that pleasure. I'm choosing to experience it. I just, I just drink that one glass of wine or I just drink that one beer every evening to take the edge off. Well, it's two now, but you know, I'm just doing that to take the edge off. He says, don't, don't you understand that when you rearrange your life to experience that pleasure that you're becoming a slave to it? See, that's the Apostle Paul's point. He says, don't you realize that you're offering yourself to something or someone and soon it's no longer a choice. Soon this becomes a habit, which becomes an addiction. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he doesn't stop there. He he goes on to say in the last part of the verse, he says, so whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, this is the dead end of sin always, it always leads to some kind of death, emotional death, spiritual death, relational death, financial death. There's always death with sin. That's the dead end of sin. He says, whether you are a slave to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So he's literally saying, there are two paths. You have a choice. 
And you have to choose. He says, either you have the path of sin's pleasure or the path of righteous obedience. So the apostle Paul says, every single day of your life, now understand this deception is so deep. He says, every single day of your life, you are offering yourself either as a servant to the pleasure of sin or to be obedient to your heavenly father. And here's what, here's what he's saying. Here's how Satan deceives us. See, many people go, oh, I, I don't want anything to do with God. I don't want anything to do with religion because, you know, it just controls you. It's controlling. It's, there's too many rules. There's, there's just too many boundaries. There's too many guardrails. And what the apostle Paul is saying, no, no, no. You, you can go, yes, I'm going to reject God. I'm going to do my own thing. And he's saying, listen, can I tell you what's going to happen? The deception of the pleasure of sin is you're going to be controlled by it. You still are not going to be your own person. And what he's saying is the difference is that one path, the pathway of sin, it, it leads to death. It ends with destructive consequences. But the other path, the path of obedience, saying yes to Jesus in everything I do and everything I say and every action and reaction, that path, it leads to peace with God. And peace to God, it paves the way to peace with ourselves and to peace with others. And by the way, there is no greater pleasure or enjoyment than in life than a life that is filled with peace. So please hear me. When you are struggling, when you're feeling pain, when you are feeling empty and depressed and unfulfilled and dissatisfied, when you're feeling tired and you want to feel better right now, immediately, beware. Because in that moment, you are so vulnerable to buying into Satan's deception and making the decision to choose the path of sin's pleasure over obedience to Jesus. And that choice, it ultimately undermines the joy and the fulfillment that you're seeking in life if you pick the shortcut to pleasure. Because sin is a pathway that always leads to a dead end called death. The death of something in your life. Now, if we're all honest, we all know. We all know that person or we know that thing or the things that we reach for to give us that quick fix when we're having a bad day or a difficult season, don't we? You know it right now in your mind. And the Apostle Paul is saying that person that you reach for, that you're codependent on, that you're depending on, that thing or those things that you reach for, every time you choose to prioritize pleasure over obedience, the Apostle Paul says, you're acting like a servant to something that ultimately is going to undermine your own happiness, your joy, your peace, your sense of fulfillment, and ultimately will set you up to have unnecessary pain and potentially major self-destruction. Now, here's the thing. If you say no, to the path of sin's pleasure, and you say yes to the path of righteous obedience. Here's what I'm gonna tell you. You won't get the quick fix. Not this afternoon, not tomorrow, and maybe not by next week. 
But ultimately, you will experience fulfillment and joy. You will experience the reward of righteousness. See, here's the thing we get deceived by with Satan's pleasure. See, Satan's, the, the pleasure of sin, we, we get the reward of pleasure immediately. The consequences are later and greater. But we choose God's path the path of righteous obedience. We don't get the reward right now. It's harder right now. But the reward is later and greater, and you experience more fulfillment, more joy, the reward of righteousness. Because when you choose the path of righteousness, the power of the Holy Spirit, it begins working in you. And it will lead you to be much better at life. And when you are better at life, your life just gets better because now you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's the question. What does this mean for you? How do you make this practical in your life? Well, to help you, I have a couple of important questions that I want every one of you to make sure that you answer, to make sure that you're not living in Satan's deception. Here's the first one. Is there a pleasure in your life that's become a greater priority than obedience to following Jesus. Is there a pleasure? Is there a behavior that's becoming the priority of your life? In other words, if you're honest with yourself, even if you're not ready to admit it to somebody else, is there a pleasure that you go to to make yourself feel better on your bad days? And deep inside, it's undermining your happiness. It's undermining your joy. Because of it, you have guilt. You have shame. You hide out. You don't want anybody else to know about it. So let's just take this question to another level. Is there a pleasure that if you continue to say yes to it, eventually others are going to find out. And when those other people around you find out, it's going to create a really bad day for the people that you care about. Is there a pleasure that is slowly taking you prisoner because you are slowly losing your freedom to say no? Now, if you're honest, you already know the answer to this question, don't you? And today, you're not answering this question for somebody else. You're answering for yourself. Because one day, that pathway of pleasure it's going to hit a dead end called death. And for some of you, it already has. And now what you're learning, what you're leaning into or have been leaning into to give you relief on your bad day has become an addiction. So life has become a series of really bad days that you're trying to hide from other people. In fact, some of you, you came today hoping to find help and freedom secretly. That's why you showed up and that's okay. We're so glad you're here. So whether you're just starting to choose this path of pleasure over obedience or you made that choice a long time ago to choose the path of pleasure over obedience and now you're at a dead end, that leads us to the second question and that is this. Would you be willing to trade your relationship with pleasure because it is a relationship? And let me just go ahead and say, it becomes a relationship that takes priority. It's why your spouse thinks you love that alcohol or that drug or whatever it is that you do more than you do them because the pleasure of sin becomes a relationship. So would you be willing to trade your relationship? Because that's why your children feel like that they, you love what you do, that alcohol, that drug, that hobby, whatever you do, 
more than you love them because a relationship with pleasure is just that. It's a relationship. So would you be willing to trade your relationship with pleasure for a relationship with Jesus? Would you, by God's grace, be willing to trade your relationship with pleasure that's causing so much harm, causing so much distance between you and the people in your life for a relationship with a loving father who will not drain you of your life, for a father who's coming to this world to give you this full, this abundant life, not, not a quick fix, but just to be able to know that I am not alone. I have the divine power of God indwelling me, and so I can have victory over anything that Satan tries to use against me. So would you be willing to trade your relationship with pleasure for a relationship with Jesus? Now, if you're sitting here at any of our churches today, and you're sitting here at this moment thinking, yeah, I need to do better. Can I tell you what you're saying at this moment in time? If you're saying, yeah, I need to do better, what you're really saying is, I'm going to leave here today and do nothing. That's what you're saying. And here's what I know, because I'm as human as you are, and I struggle with this battle just like you do. So for most of us, what we just talked about, am I willing to trade my relationship with pleasure for a relationship with Jesus? This means forsaking all other and making Jesus number one. For us to do that, that is going to take extreme measure. See, choosing the path of righteous obedience in this world over your secret or even maybe not so secret pleasure, it's going to require extreme measures in the world in which we live. See, you've tried the easy ways or the easy steps to stop giving in, and you're still sitting here today, and you're still struggling with the same sin. So here's our challenge to you today as we close out this series. Choose to prioritize a growing relationship with God as your loving father over a relationship with sin's pleasure. Now that means for some of you today, this is gonna be your first step toward a relationship with God through Jesus. The God who wants to give all comfort and peace and joy. God who wants to be the one for you who helps you experience comfort and purpose in your life. That's what he wants. The one who offers you far more than any pleasure that you could ever experience in this life. For, for others of you, you made a decision to follow Jesus, but you've been trying to keep that one area or that one specific pleasure or that one specific person for yourself apart from Jesus. And here's what you think. You, you think if you give that thing, you give that person up, that's going to be way too costly. Costly. That's going to cause you way too much pain. It's going to be, you're going to be so empty on the inside. But I want you to think for a minute. Isn't that thing that you turn for comfort to instead of Jesus, isn't that area the source of your unnecessary pain and guilt and shame and hiding out and it's creating all this inner turmoil in your life? Isn't that the area that's causing you to lose the life that Jesus came to offer you? So let me ask you, what's going to cause you more pain ultimately? Hang on to this pleasure or giving it to Jesus? I mean, deep in your heart, you already know the answer, don't you? So as I said earlier, our challenge to you is to choose the path of righteous obedience over the path of sin's pleasure. Now, 
<clears throat> to help you step into that choice. I'm going to pray for you in a moment. And after I pray, the bands at all of our campuses are going to come out and they're, they're going to sing a song of surrender. And, and for many of you this morning, this may be the moment when you need to kneel at your seat or you need to step out and come kneel at the front of the auditorium that you're at. And you might say, especially if you're kind of new to church, why, why would I do that? Well, this song, it opens up with this verse and it says, down on my knees again. Surrendering all. Surrendering all. Find me here, Lord, as you draw me near. Desperate for you. Desperate for you. I surrender. Listen, when we kneel in prayer, the reason we kneel, it's a statement of surrender. We, we don't get this. We've lost this. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray. And then as the band comes and sings, I want you to have a conversation with your heavenly father from a position of kneeling before him. Because when I kneel before God, I don't get up and do the same thing I did before. It's, it's kneeling before my king and saying, I surrender. Here I am on my knees again, surrendering it all, surrendering it all. Just let God know, here's what I'm doing. I'm resetting my priorities. You're number one. This thing that I've been hiding out, this thing I've been holding on to, I know it, I feel it. It's leading to a dead end of death. Would you just commit to him that you're choosing the path to peace with God instead of the path to pleasure? And if you've never committed to following Jesus, I'm telling you today is the day to prioritize your relationship with your heavenly father over your relationship with sin's All you gotta do, is just come before Jesus, say, Jesus, I'm kneeling here because I surrender. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And you invite Jesus in to be your king, to be your leader, to be your father, to be your forgiver, and to be your friend. And I'm just telling you, when you make the choice to kneel in a posture of surrender, You can't get up the same way and act like nothing happened. But you're choosing. God, I'm choosing the path of obedience instead of the path of sin's pleasure. And I'm telling you, when you make that, it clears up all deception. It's not like, oh, is, is it okay to still do this? Is it okay? Oh, no, it gets very clear. And when it gets very clear, then you're free to experience and know the good the goodness of God in your life, the peace of God in your life. So would you surrender today? Bury your heads with me in prayer.
Father, we, we kneel before you because we surrender. We surrender it all. Everything and everyone. God, we've, we've fallen so far away. We've, we've left our love, our deep, heartfelt love for you, for these cheap imitations of things that are going to give us some sense of pleasure. And we know they don't. They're just empty. And so God, there are men, there are women, they're sitting at every one of our churches today. They're students that just need to say, I surrender. God, you know this sin, you know this thing, you know this person, you know who I'm holding on to for, to have fulfillment and purpose and meaning in my life. And today I surrender. God, for those who've never surrendered, I pray that you give them the courage to say, Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a savior. I ask you to come in and forgive me of all my sin. You're my king. You're my leader. You're my forgiver. You're my father. I surrender all. In Jesus' name, we thank you that you're going to show up as we surrender. Amen.